Welcome to McGuire on Wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? Let's give the people what they want. Professional wrestling. With Mike McGuire. The happiest Canadian camper in the world. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Give me a hell yeah. Hello, thanks for finding the show. It's Tuesday. Which feels a little weird, but nevertheless, here we are hanging out together. My apologies for not having a show for you on Sunday evening. If you are following the Team MOW uh, McGuire on Wrestling Facebook page, you know what happened. This past weekend, I was planning on heading back to Saskatchewan, where I was based for a little while, to get some of my stuff from moving to Lethbridge here. And then I got a last-minute call. To be the ring announcer for CWE as they were doing a show in Medicine Hat, which is only an hour and a half east of me from Lethbridge. And I was like, oh, what the hell? Why not? I'll take that gig and it'll be a fun stop along the way. Sure, it'll cost me a day of moving, but whatever. I'll be able to do it all. The good news is, made the trip safe and sound. That's 863 kilometers each way. Uh, for those of you that use miles down in the U.S., 536 miles per day. And then uh, also had to load up a trailer and, and bring my stuff back. Now, the bad news is I got to do it again this weekend because because of the weather. Some of the stuff just wasn't transportable. So, short story long, it's going to be another busy weekend. But I've got a plan figured out to give you the most up-to-date show possible. We're still going to do everything the way we normally do this coming Sunday. So, apologies for the blip in almost three years of doing a show like this now. Uh, that's the first one that's not gone right. So... Hopefully that's the last one, too. Either way, appreciate you being here. I have reached out to Dave Meltzer. He's busy through the week, so literally as I'm calling it in the ring here, we're going to see what we can do to get him on. And if he doesn't join us this week, that's okay, because you know what? I have a pretty good stand-in for him. Part of that CWE tour, which is still going across Western Canada as I record this, the one and only, the first ever, the four-time and longest-reigning ECW champion for total combined days and a guy who is no stranger to controversy, the one and only franchise, Shane Douglas, is going to be on the show. Now, take what you think you know about Shane Douglas and maybe throw it out the window here because I'll be completely honest. I was glad to hear that he wanted to come on the show, which was awesome. But I was also a little afraid. You know, every once in a while, there's that guest you get that you're a little afraid of because, well, you know, they can be outspoken. You know, they can be outlandish. Maybe they can be a little mean sometimes. But that's, you know what? That's everybody. Well, I even heard some people think Mike McGuire's a jerk. They're probably not wrong. But still, I had a chance to catch up with him after the show in Medicine Hat. And I have such a new appreciation for Shane Douglas. I'm not going to share the conversations we had off microphone because I believe that's where those should be. And, and I do want to tell you now, I didn't get into any of the Vince McMahon stuff with him. I know he was there for some of it, but honestly, we already know what Shane thinks of Vince if you've paid any attention throughout his career in life. So I don't think anything there would have been new. What I think will surprise you, though, is his approach to wrestling and how he feels about it today. So that's coming up for you in a few minutes as well. I'm going to get the plugs out of the way real quick here. If you'd like to follow this show as well as the alternate commentary table and straight from the UK, TSC, 
the Squared Circle Podcast. You can follow all these shows just by subscribing to the McGuire on Wrestling Podcast feed wherever you get your favorite podcast. And you can also support the show by going to mcguireshow.com. Check out some of the bios, the stories there. Also, head to the merch shop, the Team MOW merch shop. It is available through mcguireshow.com. And honestly, we make a couple bucks a shirt, literally. The, the margin is not great, but that's not what it's about. It means the world to us that you want to support the shows by getting behind what we're doing. Anybody, I own a GWO shirt, but anybody that gets a GWO shirt, that's awesome. I'm going to talk to Andy this week about getting some new updated TSC shirts made. And yes, we do ship worldwide. That's the beauty of this system is that wherever you're listening pretty well, you can order from. And the best part is it orders and ships from your country. So you're not having to worry about import fees or something getting lost going across oceans because they're all done pretty much within your area, especially those in the UK, the United States, and Canada. It's all printed within your country's jurisdiction or, or area. So that's the best part about that. Coming up this week, it's Elimination Chamber Week. If you're on the North American side of the world, you're getting up early to watch it live. Or are you? TNA's roster sends an open letter to their parent company. Did it have any effect? Sting's retirement match has been made official on AEW television. It's 1999 all over again as The Rock brings back the silk and the shades. And CM Punk makes a surprise appearance after Raw last night. That plus the franchise Shane Douglas on the way. But first, here's the five count. You want to hear the breaking news? Well, we start off with some signing news this week as TNA has announced that they have extended the contract, taking the option for an additional year to keep former world champion Josh Alexander on the line. Now, the Canadian star has been a stalwart in TNA and Impact Wrestling before the brand switch. This is a bit of good news for TNA as, of course, they've been going through a bit of turmoil since the departure of Scott Demore. Demore was released from his position as president of the company, which also sparked a letter from talent being collectively sent to Anthem Sports and Entertainment, the owners of TNA Wrestling, in the hopes of somehow bringing Demore back to the company. There's been no development on Demore's progress, but in a recent interview with Sports Illustrated, Alexander said that, quote, it's tough to say we can be even more successful than we were under Scott, but I'm going to bust my ass trying. He also added that he hopes TNA Wrestling will continue to be an amazing place under the new management and says, quote, with new management coming in, things are going to be changing. I just hope it continues to be an amazing place right now. I couldn't imagine working anywhere else. Well, as you may have heard during last night's Monday Night Raw broadcast, there has been a deal made between the Honda Center and UFC as well as WWE under TKO to bring signature events to the arena from now through 2028. Now, the former home of WrestleMania 12 is no stranger to wrestling or UFC, but this is the first time that shows have been booked back-to-back the way they were in the same venue over a same weekend. There was a lot of cross-promotion between UFC, WWE, and the Honda Center, including UFC fighter Michael Chandler calling out a certain Irish fighter. Well, we knew it was coming, but Sting's last match has officially been announced on AEW television as the video package confirmed Darby Allen would accept on behalf of he and Sting to put their AEW World Tag Team Championships against the Jacksons. Disrespect us, Sting. You beat us down. You beat his sons down. This is despicable. I really don't think you guys understand what you got yourselves into. That's our blood stains on your white suits. 
On March 3rd, we're coming for your boy. Sting's last match, Revolution. That match, of course, will happen at AEW's Revolution coming up on March 3rd on pay-per-view. Staying on that story, in a recent appearance on his Click This podcast, Kevin Nash has said that he's probably not going to be able to attend Sting's last match, though he was invited, due to his WWE Legends contract. And while it was all about Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre on last night's episode of WWE Monday Night Raw before Elimination Chamber this weekend, it was a surprise appearance by CM Punk that made headlines this morning as video was released by WWE of Punk making an appearance after the show last night. It is not easy sitting backstage watching the show knowing that Anaheim showed up 11,000 strong and y'all have been hot all night long. This is a bump in the road and I promise you the next time we are in Anaheim, I will be here and I will have my boots on. And finally, as you've probably heard, WWE's Elimination Chamber from Perth, Australia will be airing live in North America with a 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern Time start. Now, of course, that's going to be the live broadcast. For those of you with Peacock memberships in the U.S., WWE said the show will be rebroadcast later in the day. And if you're on the WWE Canada or other international platforms, it should be there immediately after the show airs initially. You know, if you want to sleep in at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, like some kind of weirdo. In just a moment, I had the chance to sit down one-on-one across the table from the franchise, Shane Douglas. Still got lots left in the tank and lots to say about pro wrestling. That's on the way next. This is McGuire on Wrestling. You got to stream the alternate commentary table every single Saturday. It's brought to you on the McGuire on Wrestling feed. I'm one half of your host, Demetri Carolas, and I'm here with my partner, Mitch Hondras. Mitch, what is the alternate commentary table? It's simple. It's the perspective of wrestling from the other side of the railing, the real fans. That's right. The perspective that you need. You might have a little bit of fun, too. The alternate commentary table. Subscribe free now to the McGuire on Wrestling podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Cheshire! Hello from jolly old England. This is Andy Evans from the Squared Circle podcast, which you can listen to each and every week on Maguire on Wrestling podcast feed. If you would like to know the latest from professional wrestling with coverage of TNA, WWE, All Elite, New Japan and more, plus in-depth look back at what happens on the days gone by, then check us out each and every week as part of your midweek fix. This is TSC, the Squared Circle. Welcome back to McGuire on Wrestling. This past weekend, as we've already talked about, a very busy one. But part of the weekend that was a ton of fun for me was getting to hang out with some more live independent wrestling. Canada's Wrestling Elite took place in Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is a medium-sized market just on the eastern southern corner of Alberta. And it was perfect because it was on the way to where I was going anyway. So I thought, eh, let's go ahead and do it. Part of the deal was that I would get some time to talk to the franchise, Shane Douglas. Now, if you've seen Shane Douglas on TV and only know him for his fiery promos and angry rants, that might give you a certain perception of what this guy is all about. But I can't tell you now, nor can I say it enough in the interview, the Shane Douglas I got to sit across from, very, very different than what I was expecting. You're going to hear... 
a lot of his thoughts here. He's a very, very detailed guy. It's kind of like if you ever read Brett's book and you realize that, you know, Brett can tell a story of something happening kind of Lords of the Ringy, where it's like just every detail is painted out for you. That's what Shane does. But most importantly, you're going to hear a guy who I believe is sincere in what he's saying. And again, had a lot to say about the world of pro wrestling. Here is the franchise. Stage in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, but one guy that knows it all too well, the franchise, Shane Douglas. I, I gave you quite an intro there. You don't mind me uh, spoiling you with the longest reigning ECW four-time world champion? That, that never sounds bad, especially as long as Raven hears it. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. We're all you know, the thing about ECW is that we, back in the day we had you know personality differences and things like that, but we're almost like brothers and sisters today. Yeah. You know, we go out and every time I'm with these guys, I go home my gut hurts because I laugh the entire time. You know, we just have a great time hanging out together. And I've been saying to some of my friends that down at the gathering, NWA gathering in, in North Carolina, Tommy and Devon and a couple other people that were there, and I said, "Do you realize how how lucky we were? I've been in the business forty years now and I've never seen anything like ECW prior to it and I've never seen anything like ECW since not just even in the product uh, but in the backstage area you, know, you would come back and it wasn't a gratuitous like kiss your butt type of thing we were all rooting each other on and you know we used to have like a, a joke on the second half of the card where say Taz was going out and he said I'm going to follow this type of thing and we go out and vote. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. But it was never seen as a, like a screw you, I'm gonna make you look bad type of thing. It was, a, it was all of us pushing each other to make a better product. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, when I hear, and I hope the fans out there listening to your podcast understand, when we hear that chant ECW today, 20 plus years after his demise, my heart swells in my chest because when you break into this business, you, you're never even pretentious enough to believe that you can have a career, right? Let alone have a career and be a world champion, a multi-time champion, which is where the company places its chips and dispense on you. Uh, and, and you get that opportunity. It's so selective and so finite. You know, there's not a ton of people that get put into those positions. Uh, that it's looking back from where I sit now, I'm so humbled and looking back. I had a great time. I've loved my career. I've loved being on the road. I always love this. We have, you know, you hear every genre of entertainment say stuff like, "We have the greatest fans in the world." And I'm telling you, professional wrestling truly does have the greatest fans in the world. That they remember something 20 plus years old. Mm -hmm. That they remember those angles. Uh, and now with YouTube and all this social media stuff, uh, the kids that weren't even a twinkle in the mummy or daddy's eye when we were doing it are now well versed in ECW from YouTube. I had a kid, 10 year old kid last summer in Johnstown come up to me. His dad wasn't old enough to watch. He looked to maybe be in his early 30s. And uh, he said, go ahead and tell him what you said. And this 10-year-old kid said to me, I thought your angle with Taz was amazing. <laughs> and I, I popped. I said, how did you even see my angle with Taz? He said, YouTube, right? So we're, we, we are eternally young. Father time will never catch up to us on YouTube. But uh, it, it's, for me, it's been a blessing. And, and I, as I'm now going out, like coming back to Canada right now, uh, and, and getting a run around with uh, this promotion, uh, for me, it's a thank you, you know, because I can still, even though it's been a while, I can remember the kid that wanted to be that wrestler. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, but back then, without the internet, there was, you couldn't just pop in wrestling schools in my exactly. area. Yeah. You know, and I just happened to just fumble my way into it. My friends and I built a ring. And the reason we built a ring was just because a kid had gotten his picture in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. He built this homemade ring of carpets and vines. And well, What did you make yours out of? Well, we went to the junkyard and uh, <laughs> took a few things on loan. I'll sure, say. yeah, 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 yeah. And we made this ring. It was a pretty damn good. We were pretty handy. And uh, after a few weeks of rolling around in it, you know, now what are we going to do with this ring? Mm-hmm. And back then, uh, Jerry Lewis, of course, was doing the Jerry Lewis Labor Day Telethon for muscular dystrophy and used to tell kids, you know, have a backyard carnival, raise five, ten bucks and send it in. So I just thought that the cuff said, let's have a backyard wrestling show. Has to be the first in history, right? I mean, it's <laughs> 1978, I believe. Yeah. And uh, to get permission to do that as a muscular dystrophy function, we had to go get permission from the local MDA office. And I mentioned this woman's name very specifically every time I mention this because uh, what an inspiration this woman was. I, I mean, I'm a... 13, 14 year old kid. Uh, her name was Angeline Paparella. She was the chairman of the local Beaver County in, in Pennsylvania committee of the okay. MDA. Yeah, yeah. She had been a nurse who contracted adult onset muscular dystrophy. She was completely immobile, except she had moved a few fingers. Even as a young, snot nosed punk that I was at that time, to see how courageously that woman fought that disease. Uh, was awe-inspiring. You know, you're at the age where you're still, you know, being a goofball and everything, and something like that impacts on you. And I, and I'm sure she probably thought pretty cool that these. All my friends were a year younger, so they were like 12, 13, and uh, we put the show together. And she called me over to the office. And she said, there's a wrestler that lives locally. He's an Italian guy. I said, Bruno San Martino. She said, no, it's not Bruno. And then she fumbled with the name. She said, it's something like Dominini, Dominuni. I said, Dominic Danucci. <laughs> yeah. And she said, yeah. I, he was world tag champs at the time with Dino Bravo, who Canadians know, and lived six miles from my house. Had no idea. And Dominic, we went to his house. He wasn't home. His wife, Janine, uh, said he's not sure if he's going to be home. But if he is, he might stop by. So we were afraid to say that he might be there because if he didn't show up, we looked right. like little goofs, right? Yeah. And during the first match, it was in uh, the backyard, my friend's backyard, and there was a business next door, a shoe store. And during the first match, a white LTD pulled in, and the door opened, and these massive legs, like calves, <laughs> like softballs, got out. And he had a pair of gym trunks on, white socks, and a T-shirt. And it looked like a barrel getting out of the car. He was so massive. And uh, he came, and then he, he liked what he saw, so he started getting involved. And coming, hey, that, that guy cheated and you know, got involved in the match. And afterwards, we took a group photo. I'll show you in a second. My brother-in-law was taking the pictures. And so we're po- getting in our poses and everything. And he says, how are you punks anyway? And at the time, I was 14. I said, I'm 14, and my friends are 12 and 13. I said, how old are you? (laughs) And Dominic, in what I would later find out was typical Dominic fashion, leaned in and he said, never ask a wrestler's age, you Punk, <laughs> all playfully, right? But uh, so now you're in good favor with Dominic Danucci, no big deal, right? And the the career eventually would come later on down the road. Completely unplanned, yeah. completely unplanned. I, I graduated uh, college in a year. There was a big recession on in America, 
and no job prospects. I had $77,000 in school loans, which was like $77 million to me then. And uh, What did you major in there? I was a political science management minor. Uh, uh, later when teaching and things. But anyway, I'm watching this grace period six months after you graduate before you have to start paying this loan back. And I had no prospects for any jobs. There was nobody hiring. And Eddie Gilbert called from uh, Mid-South, mm-hmm. UWF. Yep. And he said, Bill wants to bring you and Mick Foley in. Uh, he wants to bring you down first and make a few weeks later. And I went, and I, I vividly remember making the decision. I had no thoughts of being a pro wrestler. Not that I would have wanted to have been. I, I assumed, Mick and I both assumed that we weren't good enough, like those guys like Brett on TV or, or Kurt Hennig. And uh, so I went down, fully expecting that in six, eight, 12 months, when the economy picks up, I'll come home and get back into my field. And as they say, like here we are 41 years later, yeah. and it's... Uh, it's been a blessing. I've had a blessed career, and I loved every minute of it. Still love it. So I want to go back to just what you were talking about, how now you'll get together with some of the old ECW guys. And like I told you, I've worked with some people that have been sure. up top and everywhere else. And, and the one thing I noticed is that even myself in radio and competitive industry as well, you know, people, as we tend to get older, right? we just kind of let the stuff that really bugged us in the past, it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So I, I got to say, just seeing you tonight, I was like, I got called to this show last minute from Danny because yeah, yeah. we're friends and I'm doing radio just not far from here now but I was like okay uh, I would love to have Shane on, on the pod if he's up for it and I, I honestly wasn't sure what I was going to expect and I gotta say man like the, the franchise I'm meeting right now not to not to kill the gimmick but I mean <laughs> I mean I hear nothing but great stories great storyteller and yeah, thank you and that you love coming out to these things is this is that's what it is it's just for the sport now yeah like, absolutely hey, look I was accepted to medical school worked my butt off to get into, into medical school <clears throat> was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I worked very hard on my undergraduate degree. I taught school for almost seven years, and I loved all of those careers. You know, and, and there's times I was hey, well, what an idiot got accepted to medical school and didn't go. Uh, but I think ultimately the answer is I love wrestling more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this to me, the way that I grew up, uh, this was a monolith. No doors in, no phone that you could call into. Uh, we didn't have the internet then or anything. So, you know, to even have gotten my foot in that door. And then it became a challenge to me. To and, and to not get scammed, too. Because, yeah, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that in the business. Yeah. Luckily, Dominic wasn't like that. Thing right. about it. He was a great teacher, great coach. Uh, but for me, it was, it, it had gotten to the point once I started on the road became like something you couldn't quite figure out, like a puzzle you could, quite couldn't put together. And it, that lit a fire under my rear end because I thought, if all these other guys can get it, why can't I? And I just do- dove into like learning the craft mm-hmm. because it was, it was perplexing to me that I couldn't pick this up. And just slowly and diligently, and, and I would later find out, it's just time in the business. Yeah. Time in the business and, and, and in the ring and in front of crowds where you learn. And I was blessed because I came into the business at a time when the, it was chock full. That dressing room that I first walked into was chock full of wrestlers that are worthy of being Hall of Fame mm-hmm. if they're not already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, every night I was in the ring with guys like Pez Watley, Black Bart, Dick Slater, Dick Murdoch, Eddie mm-hmm. Gilbert. Uh, how could you not learn? Yeah. You know? And then later, you know, learning under Dusty and Magnum and, and Ricky Steamboat. And, I mean, it was just if, looking back in real time when it was happening, you, you don't pay attention. You're just going to work on a day-to-day basis. You're not paying attention to like that you're getting slid up the card and working with a little bit bigger names as, as you go up that card. But looking back, it seems to me that almost like there was a divine hand involved because every single time that I went from, say, like Pez Watley to Black Bart was pushed up the card just one or two slots, 
And at the time, you're not thinking of that. You're just so focused on learning the craft. And I know without knowing uh, that Bill Watts, on probably a weekly or bi-weekly basis at some point, was going to the Pez's and Black Bars and saying, how's the kid doing? Yeah. And if anywhere along that line, they would have said, oh, the kid's got a big ego. He, he won't listen. He, he's got his nose in the air. That Bill would have summarily fired me, and you would have never heard my name or ever met me. Uh, you know, Black Bart, when he was recently diagnosed with cancer, I called him and, uh, you know, told him, I said, I'm sure I've said this before, but in case I hadn't, just wanted to say thank you. He goes, for what? And I said, well, for teaching me. And he started laughing. He goes, are you kidding me, kids? You were a night off. You know, I was always listening. I was listening to what they yeah. taught, taught you. And uh, I always tell people, I would love to, who, who wouldn't want to be 20 years old again? Yeah. But I'm glad and thankful to all the gods up there that I was 20 years old when I was 20 years old. Because I got that opportunity to sit in dressing room, wrestling dressing rooms. And everybody, it was just shut up and sit under the learning tree and learn. And I had that opportunity, and hopefully I've been able to show those things, those legends taught me, I was able to take in the ring and pass off to other people and entertain crowds with. When you were in your match tonight against a, a local guy, Kamikaze, uh, I've known Cameron for years too, watched him grow up from yeah, great you know, being 13 years old to getting into this. You did a promo, and you talk about wrestling today and sports entertainment and these things. Yeah. I mean, part of that obviously is is to give to the match and to give to the emotion here, but where are you sitting today as as someone who came up with wrestling the way it was versus where it is today and, and what these younger wrestlers are doing? Yeah. I, I don't want to get into the, are they doing too much, are they doing too little, that sort right. of thing, but I'm just wondering what your personal perception of the industry as a whole is this day from the indies to the majors. Sure. It's, a, it's a great question, right, for any of us that have watched wrestling as long as we have. Yeah. Uh, these kids, I am constantly blown away with their athleticism. Uh, they, our generation was a little more athletic than, say, Bruno's generation. Uh, and the business always changes. It's always morphing into something else. But when you boil it down to its lowest common denominator, wrestling is about storytelling. It's not about how many moves you can do or how fast you can do them. Sometimes, like you watch, I watch uh, Ricky Morton, 65 years old, go out and mesmerize a crowd for 15 minutes on their feet, screaming rock and roll, and they haven't touched yet. That's a great worker. Somebody can go out there, because those fans are going home, and they're going to remember that. They're not going to think, well, he didn't take 2,500 bumps and get thrown around like a rag doll. They're going to go home remembering that experience. And these kids today, they've lost that. Somewhere that's been lost. Uh, when I hear kids doing interviews, and I don't, please don't understand, I don't, I don't take this as any kind of slight to us. Our careers are written in stone. They are what they are. At this point, we can't change any of that. Right. But when you hear kids say stuff like, we're not taking advice from legends anymore because there's nothing they can teach us. I don't care if it's radio, wrestling, ditch digging. If somebody's done it for 40 years, I guarantee you they can teach you something. And that, the business that I came into all those years ago was predicated on that. Dominic's last advice to us going on the road was always keep your mouth shut and your eyes and ears open. And we did that and we learned. I don't think it's happenstance when you go back and you look uh, at Bill Watts' territory, Mid-South and uh, UWF. Name somebody that came through there and later went to WWF or WCW that weren't damn well honed in the craft. Mm-hmm. That was Bill, right? And, uh, you could, we could all sit here all night and uh, d- debate and squabble over Bill's methods, uh, which you couldn't do today. But I think it's it's relevant to say that those of us that went there and got that opportunity that we left and took something with us, and that came from Bill. Uh, I don't think the kids today could could stomach a Bill. Uh, you know, my first night working. 
with him in the building. I'd been in UWF for about two weeks, maybe 10 days, two weeks. And he'd been on the road going to, to, to raise funding to try to compete against then WWF. Right. So Eddie Gilbert had been running the house shows. This was the first TV taping in Tulsa that I was on. And he was there in the building. And I hadn't yet met him. But I came back. At first, I was the, Me and Eddie were the very first match. And Eddie obviously called the entire thing. And I came back, and I was excited because it was my first time as part of the team. I wasn't enhancement talent. I wasn't just there you know, grabbing a few hundred bucks and putting somebody over. I was part of the team figured in. So I'm sure I was a bit floating, and I was taking like, like a circle of trust, really. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, as I came back, Bill watched. He came to the first curtain. The second curtain had the logo on it, and the dressing room was to to my right. He was standing in front of the logo with his hands on his hips, and that cowboy hat on, and he didn't look particularly happy. Uh, so as I walked up to him, again having not met him uh, at, at, formally at that point, right. I gave him a heads up like, "Hey, how you doing?" And as I went to walk by him in the dressing room, he screamed at me, what the F was that? And he, and right away in my brain, I'm thinking, is he serious? Is he? But I knew that he and Dominic had been friends. So I thought, okay, Dominic's told him, screw with me the first night, rib me. Right. And I looked at him and I cracked a grin. I was going to say, nice rib. He came at me like a grizzly bear and slammed me into the wall, poking me in the chest, spitting in my face in a very terse voice telling me not to turn my effing back to the camera. If you turn my effing back to the camera, people at home didn't see me, which means he didn't make effing money, which means I didn't make effing money. And he walked away. Wow. I, I honestly thought he was going to say, you're fired, get out. That's how angry he was. Yeah. Well, Eddie was just coming in and saw the tail end of it. And as Bill walked away, he walked up and said, what was he yelling at you about? And I told him what he said. He went, well, don't make that mistake again. Exactly. Yeah. And I made damn sure I yeah, did, yeah. right? And, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff from Bill, uh, I hated it, didn't like it. I didn't think it was necessary. I'd be just as easily to learn if you talk, told me instead of scream at me. But, again, I, I look back and think of all the things that I learned there. And if you ever heard me doing interviews, you'll hear me say, Bill Watts taught me this. I learned this under Bill Watts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, again, thankful. Which can already be a polarizing statement to sure. some, right? Yeah, but, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's again, I, I had a blessed career. Uh, but now it's just having fun yeah. and and hopefully teaching the kids behind me. Like I had the pleasure of being taught. So for me, this is as long as I can do this and have fun. My, my litmus test is that I have fun at it. Yeah. And as long as I have fun at it, I'm going to keep doing it and uh, keep going out wrestling probably less and less each month that goes by. <laughs> uh, but I, I will always love wrestling and, and the fans, everything about it. A, when it's done right, when our business is done right. It is an incredible entertainment form. Uh, live action, role play, whatever new phrases you want to use. But the guys in our business that are great at it, it's amazing to watch them play the audience and the audience go along with that. You know, it's uh, it, it's like watching a maestro play, you know, just wave his baton. Okay, now the elbows come in right there. Boom, and here they come. Uh, I sat on ring aprons with some of the greatest in our history and watched them and watched what they did and how they did it. And I've always been mesmerized by it. So, like, for me, I've always loved being a wrestler, always will love being a wrestler. I'm proud of the career that I've had. You know what I like about these CWE shows? It's kind of like what we're doing up in Calgary with Dungeon. And, I mean, if you know Brett at all, you know, he's not a fan of, you know, he wants real trying to win a fight wrestling sort of thing. Yeah. Do you think that there's room now, and we're starting to see some some old fashioned swerves and just some very subtle psychology? It's not these yeah. huge, complex, no. try and figure it out storylines, but do you think there's room for 
basic ground and pound matches to run an entire card in today's modern wrestling world. There, there's a place for everything. Another Bill Wattsism was at Thanksgiving dinner. You don't want to sit down and eat such a big pile of turkey. Right. You want some yams. You want some uh, sweet potatoes. You want some uh, pumpkin pie. And a great wrestling show has all that on it. The problem today is match one goes out. And again, these kids are crazy athletic. Match two goes out and does sort of what match one did. And then match three goes out and does what sort of one and two did. Uh, they're repeating the moves. And they, as a teacher, I'll say this. I've read probably 1,000 or 1,500 books in my life. Never once do I recall getting to the end of chapter one and saying, that was so good, I'm going to go back and read it again. I want to see what's in two and what's in three. And a great wrestling show should follow. Uh, And again, through the years of my experience in sitting in dress rooms like those guys, I was typically on, by, by a certain point, one or two matches before Rock and Roll Express. And I would watch them on a nightly basis. Robert would be off floating around doing his thing, but Ricky would always be paying attention to the monitor or looking through the curtain. And you would occasionally see him go, oh, shit, and go running off. And uh, he'd call Robert and just go. So I followed him one time. Like, where are they going and what's he doing? And here he had just watched the match that was in the ring, did something similar to what they had planned. So he went back and audible and changed it because nobody wants to read chapter one over and over again. Exactly. So after they'd already seen that and they, what they were planning on doing, he went back and changed it. That's a pro. Yeah. The problem today is the kids will sit back there and they'll talk about how they're going to do their match, what they're going to do in their match, down to the minutia and down to the moves. And in every one of those matches you can watch, excuse me, and you'll see what I call the deer in headlights look. They've forgotten what comes next. You don't need to know what comes next. It doesn't have to be memorized as a move-by-move chain. If you know where you are in the spot, if you're in the heat, well, if you're the baby face, you need to get back under somehow. If you're the heel, you need to get back on top of the heat somehow. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. And the thing is, is I've never seen, in 41 years, I've never seen the formula applied. A heel that can get heat, a face that can shine, and a storyline that's well-written. I've never seen that formula not work. I've not seen the formula utilized in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a place for that. There's a place for all of it. There's a place for the Flyers. There's a place for the women. There's a place for the tag teams. There's a place for the chain wrestling style. And with all those things, obviously, it's incumbent on the wrestler that's performing those things, executing those things, is not to take wrestling back to 85 or 95. Right. It's to bring the best of that sport then up to now. And we're seeing none of that. There's no thought put into what used to work why why doesn't it still work and you know when I hear stories like again the names are irrelevant very highly seasoned legends in our business Mm -hmm. telling me that in the years they were there they were never asked a single question and I'm thinking to myself if I'm a football player in the NFL that I just got drafted. And Tom Brady's standing right there. I right. probably have a question or two for him. I'm sure there's something he can teach me. Uh, so when they've moved away from that, like, my generation, we're, we're good with where we are. But when you have a wealth of that sitting around and you're not partaking into that, uh, to me, that's just silly. And you, know, you limit yourself by not partaking in that. There's nobody saying that, well, you need to go ask that wrestler there because he's been great and he's better than you or he's always going to be better than you. There's none of that. That's not what it is. It's passing of that knowledge on. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, look, I, I hope to be here for a long, long time. I hope to be here for another 100 years. I doubt I'm going to be. Uh, but what's going to happen, say, in 10, 20, 30 years? 
when there are none of those guys left. Yeah. And then who to teach it? I can sit down and write a great book on how to be a wrestler. Doesn't mean you're going to read it and be able to be a great wrestler. You learn that in the ring, in front of crowds, and taking the bumps and getting the wind knocked out of you and getting your head banged and doing all those things and still having to finish through to the finish of the match. Uh, it teaches uh, intestinal fortitude. Uh, and the ones that do pick it up become great. And when you watch the greats, you don't have to be reminded this guy's one of the greats. You know just watching. I got a thousand questions I could ask you, and this is just from an announcer commentator standpoint, but it's late at night. It's been a great tour for you guys so far. I know you got a lot more shows to do. I'm actually literally in the middle of moving right now across provinces. I, I took this last minute and I was like, I'm wearing a borrowed suit, literally, because it was just one of those things. But uh, I mean, there's so many other questions we could go down, so many other roads. But I think the one thing I want to know as, as someone who's followed you as a fan. Thank you. And, and yeah, and I've listened to the shows. I've listened to your interviews. I've, I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. You know, like, and, and I get it. Like, like I said, radio and wrestling, I always find radio, wrestling, and comedy are three genres that I feel all have very similar yeah, yeah. people in it where sometimes we're just a sucker for the business, you know what I mean, yeah, and want to stay yeah. in it. And I, I chose two, yeah, you know, yeah. between the wrestling and the radio here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes down to, and I find this in myself, so I'm asking you this question, and, and if it's Shane Douglas or if it's you, you know, behind the gimmick here, what is making you the most happy about still being involved in wrestling today what's your source of happiness the performance part of it i mean being in front of the crowd uh i wish that all the fans that come to conventions and follow wrestling and love wrestling and follow our careers i wish i could let each of them experience just 10 seconds of what it feels like being in that ring and being able to mesmerize that crowd make them scream and yell make them cuss make them cry (laughs) make them cheer that is of all the drugs that i've ever heard of that is by far the most powerful of them the fact that somebody has spent 30 or 40 years of their life occasionally dipping in and catching your career that to me is just insane uh that anybody would be that devoted over that length of a period of time and it's incredibly humbling i I always tell the guys in the dressing room anytime i'm ever booking something or giving a seminar is those fans that were here tonight understand they worked their butts off to make the money they spent to come here tonight and i don't care if it's the easiest job or the hardest job they spent their money to come see us that should be seen as an incredible honor that they're taking their money out to basically pay us. And so whether the building's chock full like it was tonight, whether the building has one person sitting in it, if one guy shows up, he didn't pay any less or more for his ticket. He deserves our best effort. And again, that's the stuff that was br- br- drilled into us from those old timers. That's the stuff I love about wrestling. Uh, seeing the fans and seeing the fans walk out, especially some of the young kids, big smiles on their faces. You know, people stopping to ask you questions about your career. You could tell that those fans had an incredible time. And that's what we owe to them. They bought their tickets to come and support this. And it keeps us working. But it also gives them an entertainment form that may not otherwise come here. I'm guessing companies like WWF now uh, mm-hmm. or AEW I'm doubting they come to places like Medicine Hat and their money is just as green as everybody else's uh, the other thing is and I'll speak as a parent and a teacher when I see kids here like I was telling the guy at the show last night all these kids that are here if this wasn't here tonight they would be out doing something else and the vast chance is they'd be out doing something they shouldn't be doing 
and in this dangerous world with all this fentanyl and everything else coming into the country uh, being spread about, I'd much rather see those kids here than pick the paper up tomorrow and read about one of those kids. And so that we can go out there and give them a form of entertainment. That's an honor. I I see that as an honor. I come from a blue-collar family. I know how hard a family works to bring a family of four out, buy four tickets and a few pictures and some refreshments at the concession stand. Because of that, we owe them our best effort. And uh, and I, I, that's why I love coming to these shows, because I, I didn't see anybody lazy in the ring tonight. Everybody's out there working their butt off to, to entertain that crowd. And in its ideal form, in its most perfect form, that's what wrestling should do. Well, again, Shane Douglas, I appreciate it. There's maybe some people that were hoping I'd come at you with the harder questions, but honestly, <laughs> all that stuff's out there. The mantra of, of our shows and what we do here is, is really simple. We say celebrate wrestling because it's something that we all have this sick fascination with. We yeah. all love it. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to spend with us here. And, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Pleasure yeah, I'd love to stay in touch down the line here. Uh, just, you know, if you ever got thoughts on stuff. But uh, I think it's really cool to see that the guy that I was maybe terrified of meeting when I walked <laughs> into the building is actually probably one of the coolest guys I've met. So, uh, yeah, but hope to see you again down the road here, Shane. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. McGuire on wrestling. Well, friends, Dave Meltzer is unfortunately not going to be able to join us this week, but he is going to be back next weekend. It's just a case of timing. And this is the day usually that Dave starts writing for the newsletter. And as you know, he always puts out like a bajillion words and issues. So if you're a fan of that, just know he's working diligently to help you there. But we will have Dave back next weekend and the show should be back on schedule. Don't forget, as you may have heard in the promos earlier, you have TSE, the squared circle. Also, the alternate commentary table, which I still say is the most fun week in review show to listen to because these guys are just fans. And they like being fans, jaw-jacking about pro wrestling, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. You need that little palate cleanser, I think, once in a while, especially when the wrestling world can hit us with some heavy stuff here and there. Before I go, though, a couple things I wanted to ask you, and somebody actually, I think it was Blaine on the Team MOW McGuire on Wrestling Facebook page addressed this, and I was asking you, are you going to be watching the Australian pay-per-view live, Elimination Chamber, from Perth? Because, again, if you're in North America... That's early in the morning, no matter where you are. I can't imagine living in BC or on the West Coast at all and saying, yeah, 2 a.m., I'm going to start watching wrestling. But then again, then you watch the show, then it's done. 5 a.m. on the East Coast, sure. I'm right in the middle, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But if I do watch it that early, I may even do a review show for it because otherwise, why am I watching it so early? But before we go, I wanted to touch on something that the guys in the alternate commentary table actually brought up this weekend. And if you missed it, here's a clip of Mitch and Dimitri talking about the return of 90s rock. We wanted the rock. We all love the rock. But we wanted that rock back. The old rock. The guy that started it all. And that vest? Come on! Listen, I saw that vest. And you know what I love what he did? He stopped. He turned around That's right. so people could see the design. That's right. You know, I remember the good old days. Like, there's the one promo with Triple H. It's like one of my favorite promos of all time. When he's like, I'll walk down the ramp just like this in my electrifying $600 shirt, just like this, right? Like, and he just goes, vintage, vintage. vintage. What do you want, you guys? And you know what? Talk about we we joke around about the AJ Styles and we talk about the the Randy Orton and how yoked they've gotten. Guys, just go back to an old clip of The Rock versus today. There's a reason he can't wear that actual shirt anymore. He's more massive than sometimes I've even given him credit for. He's so big. The vest works. 
he comes to the ring. He now says, you know, he gets on the microphone right away. And this is where you know he owns you. Yes. He owns you. He compliments you. He's like, you guys just broke a record. And everyone's like, oh, that's awesome. I can't believe it. Here in Utah, we broke it. And then cuts you down. And it's like, yeah, for a bunch of inbreds in one room or something. The Rock is back. Buddy. And when he made the comment, it was like, you and your 600 cousins and whatever. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I was losing it. Yes. Y- why is The Rock, you know, everyone does their Mount Mitchmore. Right. Okay. Of course. Everyone does their Mount Mitchmore. Who are the top? Who are the goats? This and that. Right. right. I've argued, I've argued that Hulk Hogan is the goat because for the single reason is A, what he's done for the sport. Of course. The other thing is he was the greatest good guy mm-hmm. and the greatest bad guy. Right. Well, The Rock's got that too, man. He is the greatest good guy and in the category of greatest bad guy. When you're sitting there, and this is where the other wrestlers in the back should take a little notice. Yeah. Literally grab your notepad. Yeah. Grab your phones, whatever you do and watch and learn. Learn how to entertain the people. He literally made fun of that crowd and city for one of the, like a stereotype that anywhere else someone would get canceled for. So true. And here he is just over and over. And what I love is the Heyman's in the background and he's looking, he's like, oh, this is gold. Yeah. Like even Roman Reigns, how blessed is he yes. to kind of have an angle? And I mean that sincerely. Yeah, yeah. How blessed is he to have this kind of angle to be like, got my cousin here and we're working to get, now it's very clear. Yes. Right. And Mitch, I hope you, you retract last week where you thought maybe they had to change it up. This is the plan because what's happening now. Yeah. Cody is even bigger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of a baby face than he's ever been. And he can also now thank The Rock for that. So there you have it. Mitch and Dimitri from the alternate commentary table, which posts every weekend here on the Maguire on Wrestling podcast feed. They say that this is the plan. This is the way it's supposed to be. So I guess the real question now for you is, do you buy it? Do you think this is the plan? Do you think this has been something they've been working on all along? Do you think this was a plan B? Why do we always assume there's no backup plan, right? Any good manager, any good boss, any good planner has a backup, maybe even a backup to a backup. And when you're talking about WWE, where injuries can happen, people can get sick, all sorts of things can go wrong, of course you have a backup to a backup. So what would be the backup here? Well... Let's say word gets out that Rock wants to be in the main event. Let's say the word gets out that people want Cody to be in the main event. Let's say those two words start clashing against each other, and then we have what we have. It's almost too smart that we don't give these creative people, that's their title, that we don't give these producers, these wrestlers, these performers the credit that maybe they can actually think on their feet and make audibles, or can they? Maybe this was the plan all along. Hmm. Something to think about, something to discuss, and I want to do that with you next weekend. We're going to do it all again. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for being a part of the Facebook group. A whole bunch of new members have been joining every week. It's great to meet everybody and have you be a part of the show. I got a jam. Next weekend, we're back on track. Until then, as always, thank you for listening and letting me do what I do. Till then, play safe, drive safe, I'll be senior.